WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. News time right now, 8-11 on this Monday morning, today the 29th of November. And in studio with us this morning, Dr. Dan Rudd. How are you this morning? Good morning, Scott. It's good to be here. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did. I, I probably ate too much food. but I uh, don't believe it. <laughs> probably everybody did. Yeah, I <laughs> so, think so. So, you know, with the whole thing of Thanksgiving, families getting together, there's also a slight fear of spreading COVID and, and the fear of groups gathering together again. Absolutely. I think that... You know, one of the things that's going on now is fear. And one of the important things to realize is that that fear is not founded in reality in the COVID world we live in today. It's being trumped up by media, um, people who have other motives, not sure what. But let's, let's talk about what's going on with COVID today, because I think that understanding will help alleviate a lot of fear. Um, one of the things that I think is important in looking at COVID is where are we statistically? What's happening? Uh, we know that COVID is still being transmitted even if you've been vaccinated, and that's true. The, you know, being We used to think of vaccines as preventing disease. I think we have to reformulate how we look at a vaccine. Vaccines do prevent disease, but they also prevent serious disease. So you can have a vaccine that's working very well, and you will get infected with the bacteria or virus, but you don't get terribly sick and you don't die nearly as often. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we're seeing statistically now is even though we continue to have infections and we're having a surge uh, at the current time, especially in Europe, but also in the Midwest in this country. Tennessee's doing pretty well, but Tennessee's still seeing about 1,000 cases a day. Um, and, but our death rate is very low. Our hospitalization rate is very, very low. So we're doing really amazingly with that. And uh, vaccines are important in that decrease in the, the severity of COVID. Um, we're seeing that in... Uh, the numbers that are coming out of uh, statistically all over the country shows that people who have been vaccinated have about 12 times less risk of high uh, of serious disease or death than people who are unvaccinated. And so one of the things I want to really emphasize is that I still feel like that vaccines are very important. The risk of the vaccine is very low. There's a lot of different information out there, and a lot of it is just inaccurate. It, vaccines are, are the right way to go. We have very good ones. They work better than we ever dreamed they would work. Uh, the, uh, right now, there are about eight vaccines that are licensed in the world and about 30 that are in development. So we're going to see more and more of that. Um, 
there are still it's it's interesting because the highest case rates in this country are actually in states that have also the highest vaccination rates and that's confusing to a lot of people because if you look in um, new mexico vermont new hampshire the case rates are up but very low death very low hospitalization rates and it's because the virus still transmits and it infects people but it doesn't make them as sick and i think that we have to just accept the fact that vaccines work and i encourage people to do it now you know one of the things that's in the news now is uh should we vaccinate kids uh you know the the vaccines have been approved for five to eleven year olds i'm on the fence about that there are a lot of medical uh experts that are pushing it hard and when we have more information i'll have a better feel for it myself but uh, i do know that kids get sick and very rarely they get very sick but it's very rare and parents have to decide if that's the right thing for them and their children right now and the information is still out i i don't i don't have a set feeling on that myself but i do feel like that anyone who is an adult should be vaccinated but again i don't think it should be mandated i think we need to be able to choose that and and, you know with children you always hear stories about how you know different things along their development process can stunt their growth can you know change the the way the brain develops you know things like alcohol at an early age uh, smoking at an early age so it it does make you know, the average person wonder, well, what about certain medications they take at an early age? Could they mess up something within my child as they grow into their teen years? I totally understand that. And I agree with you. That's why I think that, you know, there's some parents that feel like, you know, absolutely they want their kids vaccinated. And there's some who feel just as strongly in the opposite direction. And I think that the evidence is not in to support either one totally. So right now, just go with what you think is the best but i don't think that you can make those decisions without being aware of changing information and new things that happen one of the uh, real uh you know important things is understanding that kids can get very sick it's like i say it's rare but one of the you know right now we are at about 800,000 deaths in in america about five million worldwide and so it's it's still there and we need to you know be aware of that but we've got some amazing therapeutics that are coming out and i think that we have even more in the pipeline and as we look you know down the road here we're going to have oral agents equivalent to tamiflu with influenza but uh, there is uh, there are two drugs that are getting ready to come out one is from Merck and uh, one is from Pfizer. The Merck product is uh, Molnupiravir. Um, Very exciting drug, but uh, they had a study released last week that showed it wasn't quite as good as what they had estimated. And there's some uh, popping of a balloon there. I think people are kind of sad about that in the medical world, but there's uh, another one that Pfizer's coming out with that is uh, Paxlovid, and both of these act in ways that are, uh, 
it come directly from HIV research. So they're very effective. They work on the virus in the way that the virus replicates. And, um, it, and it's something that we're going to see, you know, very good treatments coming down the pike. Again, on the air with us in studio, Dr. Dan Rudd. And you have practiced here in Rutherford County for years, uh, not only at your own private practice, but also over at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center, the jail there. Uh, so you have seen a lot of patients over the years. I have seen a lot of patients, and I've seen a lot of COVID patients in the last two years. Uh, right now, our numbers are down, which is great news. Um, you know, the uh, uh, actual numbers at the jail today, I, I was looking at the report uh, we get every day, and we check, uh, we've done thousands of tests on, on uh, our patients, our inmates, and we have zero patients today that are positive, that wow. we are aware of. Um, you know, we do have, uh, also not only do we vaccinate inmates that would like to be vaccinated, but if people do get, become ill with COVID, we also have the ability to give them the monoclonal antibodies. So we've got those in stock and available. And I think that's a tremendous tool to help, um, in, in really saving lives and cutting down hospitalizations. And we're, we're doing that now as we need to daily. Now, are there any new studies about those who've already had COVID and should they receive the shot? Because I know one study out of Israel uh, said, no, you know, if you had COVID-19, it's probably not a good idea to get the vaccination or maybe it wouldn't be as effective or you have a higher chance of getting sick because of the vaccination. Well, there's been a lot of debate about that, Scott. I think that, you know, where I come down on that right now and again, things change in science as data comes out. But I think that if you've had COVID then, and you've not been vaccinated, you still should be vaccinated. There is a lot of evidence that the amount of neutralizing antibody that you develop, having had the infection and then the vaccination, actually is very, very good for you. And, and helps, especially as we get into these new variants. You know, let's talk a little bit about the Omicron uh, variant that now is, is popping up in, in Africa. I think that we have to realize that to this day, from the beginning, they have sequenced over 2,000 different variants that have evolved. Now, they name them based on identifying them as what they call a variant of concern, which means that it's, they think that that variant may cause more problems. This new variant that is coming out of uh, Africa, Omicron, it, uh, is basically the 15th variant of concern. Um, they actually skipped the letter uh, Chai, uh, and which was the Chinese president's name, but they skipped that and then went straight to Omicron. Uh, so anyway, we're at that now. Now, almost all variants from viruses are actually less um, damaging, but more competitive. And what that means is they transmit easier, but they have degradation of function. And so what they're seeing with this Omicron variant is that it seems to be transmitting easily, but the people are not very sick. 
and and I did a search last night, and we only have had this identified for about oh two weeks, two to three weeks, and so far I can't find one person who's died from it. Hmm. So, you know, we're going to see it. It it spreads easily. It's very contagious. It's going, and you know, they say that you know air travel is being limited, but tons of immigrants come right across the southern border. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't have an isolated country. They're, they're walking in from Africa through Mexico. So, and they're being spread around the country by uh, the government and, and located all over. So we're going to see this variant in Tennessee before you know it. You know, in places like China, for example, where a lot of people believe that's where this virus originally came from, they have... Uh, Whenever you fly there right now, you have to actually quarantine for 28 days at a hotel uh, for two weeks at one hotel, then switch to another hotel for the remainder of that 28-day period before you're let back into, I I guess, regular China, before you can come back into the population if you're coming from America. Do they know something we don't know? Well, they know that the virus came from there. They know that. And it came from very close to the Wuhan lab. You know, whether it, I I don't believe it was intentionally released. I think it was probably accidentally released, but it definitely came from China. So they know obviously how dangerous it is or how dangerous it can be. Right. And I suspect that like in most of these outbreaks, the initial virus that that is able to develop a competitive edge and emerge as a pandemic virus is the most dangerous one. Right now that time, 825, we're going to take a short break and check on that weather forecast and the traffic, and then we'll be right back with Dr. Dan Rudd. Time right now, again, 825. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high 50 degrees. Southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies and a low near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 27. Good morning. Still a little bit busy on 24 right now, trying to get past Haywood Lane over in Davidson County. Give yourself extra time. They just now moved that crash. Had a car fire up through there earlier uh, on 24 near Harding Place. That also added to that slowdown. It's pretty sluggish right now as we check it out live. 24 westbound. Again, from, let's say, Haywood Lane all the way up to Harding Place. Ripley's Aquarium. Sleep with the Sharks Family Edition. December 26. Check it out. Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Crew, here's what you've been missing. You're not afraid to be fired. (laughs) Don't miss the Wake Up Crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Boy, will it hurt my pocketbook if I am. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. WGNS proudly salutes our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. American hero, Norm Elzeer. You were on uh, B-24. The Liberator. The Liberator? That's what they called it. 
Our average mission was seven hours. We were on oxygen seven hours at times. There were six gunners on the plane. When we flew four missions, they give us a fifth of whiskey for the whole six, not a piece. We saved them up, and after we flew so many times, they sent us to the Isle of Capri for a week's rest, and that's where we took all our booze. Every time you got in that plane, you didn't know if that was your first time or your last time? Oh, that's for sure. You got pretty hot at times. How many missions would you say you completed? Not 21, but after we come back from the Isle of Capri, we flew three straight days in a row, and the third day we got shot down. That was 21. After you were shot down, how long did it take for you to find safety? We bailed out over Yugoslavia, and it was German-held at the time. We landed in uh, friendly areas, the Chetnik people there. They took care of us, and we uh, would be warned in advance that the Germans were on our tail, and they would take off. As far as food and water and Food was like scarce. That? Food was scarce. The Germans would come into these villages and take their food. We would go to one village, and we would have beans to eat twice a day for two weeks. Another village would be potatoes. I ended up Jonas because we didn't get the right food. That's one of those things. People did the best they could for us. True American norm. Elzir. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 829. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. In studio with us, we have Dr. Dan Rudd, and we're talking about COVID and the COVID virus and things to expect. And, uh, you know, the big question is how much worse will things actually get, which I don't know that anybody really knows the answer to that, but uh, Dr. Rudd, what what are you seeing or or forecasting or hearing? Well, I think we've seen the worst. Um, You know, this is, it's not a totally predictable situation and things could happen that we, we don't forecast, but typically the virus becomes less pathogenic over time and we're definitely getting better treatments over time. So I think that we're going to see another spike in, due to the seasonality of the virus this winter. But I think in spite of the spike in cases, we will not see a spike in deaths. I think that with the tr- available treatments and the onboarding of the oral medications that are coming, uh, there's no reason that we should have the deaths. The deaths ought to be decreasing. We'll still see deaths, especially in people who um, have a lot of comorbid conditions, uh, malignancies, uh, immune suppression, elderly people, uh, people with diabetes, hypertension who are, are obese. Those, those types of problems facilitate the infection being more severe. And by the way, you can call or text us right now. The phone lines are open. Again, text or call us 615-893-1450 and we do have a text question already here it says i've traveled to warmer climates for a week or so in january i don't feel comfortable leaving the country for the caribbean anymore though is air travel to places like florida safe or is air travel to anywhere just not wise would it be smarter to drive i think that my opinion is is that due to the 
possibility of uh, lockdowns by the government and the airlines, that's the problem. We know for sure the virus is out there, and we know you're going to contact it if you're out there. You know, I think it was, uh, this has been clearly exemplified in the last week in the Netherlands because they had, from the time this uh, Omicron variant showed up about the 9th of November in South Africa until uh, Friday, they had a flight, two flights come into the Netherlands and they identified 67 people on two flights total that had the Omicron variant. Wow. I mean, so it's a big number. And so you have to expect that if you travel, you're going to contact it. But contacting it doesn't mean getting sick. If you're vaccinated and if you're, you have a healthcare provider that you're in contact with, who's aware of, they know what to do with COVID. There are many options available and it, it should not provoke fear. I wouldn't want to be locked down out of the country due to the airline or the government. So, I, I mean, I would not right now want to go, but it's not because of fear of the virus. Yeah, it's I, I guess that, you know, fear of what is the government, especially in another country, going to decide at the last minute, you know, hey, we had this big outbreak. Everybody here must stay here. You can't leave right now. So, I mean, things like that could become a reality. Well, you, the only way back in would be through the southern border. Yeah. It, you it, just have to get on foot and hoof it. <laughs> that, that'd be a little rough. <laughs> yeah. So what about the booster? Because we hear a lot of talk about those who've already had the vaccination. Should they get that booster? And when should they get the booster? Well, the current recommendations, and I agree with them, are that you know adults, especially people over 50, 55, uh, anyone with comorbid conditions should have the booster. The booster definitely raises the neutralizing antibody uh, levels. It also increases the T-cell turn-on rate, which is an important part of the immune system, and will help to uh, trigger the immune system if you contact the virus and get it going quickly. If you've only had that first shot of the uh, two-dose vaccine, what what happens if you don't get that second dose or could you get a booster instead? It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the booster is the second shot, you know, for a, a lot of people. Now, there are places you can go that the booster is actually only a third of the dose. Um, but what I had as my booster was a full dose. And so basically I've had three doses. And can people ask for that? They can. Okay. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning. You can call or text questions to us at 615-893-1450. Again, 615-893-1450. So the flu, we have not heard a lot of talk about flu season or, you know, people getting the flu, I guess because COVID's really taken over everything as far as, uh, you know, healthcare and the media go. Uh, So what about the flu? Well, flu is is decreased and i'm sure it's because of all the mitigation that we've been doing for covid you know we have uh, the social distancing the um you know the our physical distancing not just the social but you know we we have uh the even the vaccine 
it's really interesting. They, I read a study from the MMWR, which is a publication I read every week, that that looked at uh, COVID vaccinations, and they found that people who have been vaccinated for COVID actually have decreased death rates and hospitalization rates that are unrelated to COVID. So there's something going on with the immune system when it's stimulated that helps us. We don't know what it is yet. It's, you know, we've learned so much. Yeah. Things are, are increasing so rapidly that it's almost like every day is another day of lecture because it, there's information from overseas. There's information from America that is all adding to our overall experience. But, but COVID vaccinations seem to decrease the illness and death rate from non-COVID problems. That's really fascinating. It's, it's very interesting. I, I mean, this could change healthcare altogether, you know, for years to come. Oh, totally. And another area that is, is really interesting and amazing to me is what has been learned with vitamin D. Vitamin D is, um, you know, it's kind of misnamed. It's not, it's not just a vitamin. It's not like a, just a cofactor. Vitamin D, when you look at the structure, it's, it's really more like a steroid, more like testosterone or, or cortisol. Uh, we know that it works in the nucleus. It helps to uh, make replication more accurate, and it decreases the uh, misfiring of the replication of the DNA. So it basically helps fight infections. It helps, helps fight cancer. It helps with aging. It, it does a lot of different things that we're identifying. And we're, it, it, one thing that's become more clear is that the seasonality of virus infections that we've identified for decades may in large part be due to the fact that we make less vitamin D in the winter than we do the rest of the year. And simply by supplementing vitamin D, we can actually not have the seasonality of the respiratory viruses that we've endured for generations. You know, it's interesting. You have some doctors out there who don't talk about vitamins at all. You, you know, right. it's almost like they disregard vitamins and focus on the medication. Then you have some doctors who say, well, yeah, you know, you do need some type of daily vitamin because you are probably not getting it in your diet. So you hear things like vitamin D. A lot of people don't get enough vitamin D. Well, vitamin D, um, we've learned so much more. I mean, we know much more today than we did two years ago. And we know that people who have uh, increased melanin in their skin, darker skinned people, do not make vitamin D from the sun as well. And often their levels are lower than light, fair skinned people. And the only way we can identify it is to check a blood test. But basically anybody out there can safely take vitamin D up to 4,000 units a day. That is totally safe. You can do it unmonitored. You don't need blood tests or doctor visits or anything to take up to 4,000 units a day. Now, for some people, that is not enough. They, the level needs to be over 50 as far as nanograms per milliliter. It's the blood test unit that we use in what we do at the labs. So, and you need to be over 50. And for some people, that takes 
you know, five to 10,000 units a day. But you need to take that only when you're monitored by a doctor. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd with us. And this is uh, just a common blood test that can be done at your doctor's office, right? Exactly. Okay. Do it as part of a physical on people every, every year that they get a physical. Now, early on throughout the whole COVID pandemic, we heard certain talks uh, saying that if you had a certain blood type, you were less likely to get infected with COVID-19. What became of all of that? Because those talks seem to kind of die, die down. Well, I think that we've learned a lot about that. I mean, we discovered accidentally that type O blood uh, people had uh, less COVID infections. But I think that what, what it's really related to is not the blood type, but it's related to the genes that are proximate to the type O antigen gene in the DNA. And so it's association, not causation. It's, for instance, if, if you wanted to look at, at and try to find people who have lung cancer, and you said, well, people who have lung cancer often carry cigarette lighters. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the cigarette lighter that causes the lung cancer. And so it's association, not causation. And you've got to look closer to identify what's causing it. It's not the cigarette lighter. Yeah, that's interesting. And is it important to know your blood type? No. It's just one of those things you have. I mean, it's and, fine if you want to know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not a secret. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just that it, it doesn't help you. If we live at a far different place than in the past when if you knew your blood type in the ER, you, they would give you that type of blood. Yeah. They don't. There are many antigens that are checked. You have to be typed and cross-matched both. And so going in and saying, just in case I need blood, I'm type A, that doesn't mean well, anything. Well, they're going to check anyways, it aren't they? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. So no, it, it's not really helpful. So what do you, I guess, what are the latest reports out of places like Israel? Because it seems like they had more information on COVID and research than anywhere else in the beginning. Is there more or new information out of places like Israel? I think one of the more interesting places is actually Japan. Japan um, is, you know, it's a modern nation, but they have a requirement that everybody who has COVID is treated initially with ivermectin. And their death rate is very low and very flat. And, you know, the powers that be in this country say different. Now, I, I, that, that's ivermectin. That, is that the one that's also given to, like, farm animals, like horses? Yeah. Well, that's the, the way the, the mainstream media portrays ivermectin is the horse medicine okay well penicillin is a horse medicine ibuprofen is a horse medicine i mean a lot of medicines that people use are also given to animals and it's a way to minimize the medicine ivermectin has saved thousands and thousands of people from river blindness in africa that was what it was developed to treat. And there are many people in Africa that are, will never be blind because of ivermectin. And then they found out that it also helped parasites, things like skin scabies. It's used for things like rosacea um, in, in a topical form. 
ivermectin is a, a very important medicine. We don't know what all it does. Obviously, if it was a uh, panacea, we would put it in the water, but it's not. And so, but there are 79 countries that allow ivermectin to be used for COVID. In Japan, it just so happens they give that right away, it seems yeah. like. Japan is not a country that's really, really into vaccines. They, t- they hold back. They don't have as many required vaccines as we do. Uh, but they do use a lot of ivermectin. And whether we're talking causation or association, like we mentioned a minute ago, mm-hmm. the fact is Japan has a very, very low hospitalization and death rate from COVID. When you hear about medications that fight parasites, you know, I think a lot of people, their first thought is, well, I don't want to take that. It's going to make me, you know, deathly ill because I don't have regular parasites. You know, I've got COVID. Is there an illness that's going to go along with a medicine like that? Well, right now you don't have to worry about it because it's not approved in this country. Ah. So, you know, it's really not a decision you can make. Yeah. And because we are licensed in Tennessee, I'm licensed in Tennessee, you know, I'm going to follow the FDA guidelines, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something we have to do. And it's, and even following those, we have plenty of tools to treat people. Yeah. So it's not something we have to have, but it shows that there are differences in the approaches that are uh, used for COVID around the world. And there are things that are more effective that often we just don't get here so if you were to take that in another country if you were visiting another country and you fell ill with covid is that a a safe medication for the average joe to take it's totally safe okay it it has one of the lowest side effect profiles of any drug we use um i've used it for years with with scabies and we've i've never seen a problem with it yeah. You know, scabies, and that's one of those things that's kind of scary. You can get that in a hotel room, you know, from a hotel bed, can't you? I mean, there's a lot of places well, where you can get scabies. You can't let your anxiety overwhelm you. And, you and, know, and that would you be can easy catch to do. things. <laughs> yes. In the world today, you know, one of the things is the, the lockdowns, the uh, limitation of social interaction is facilitating a lot of anxiety and depression. The increase in drug abuse, the increase in alcohol use, uh, there's so many psychological things that have that have hurt us due to the lockdowns related to COVID. You know, in this last year, we've had a record number of drug overdose deaths, you know, 100,000 deaths in the last year from drug overdose. And you have to look, that's twice, almost twice as many people as died in the Vietnam War from uh, that were American soldiers. That's wild. Uh, from one year of drug overdose deaths, and it's related to this fear, to the lockdown, to the pr- and the availability of illicit drugs. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of it out there. And when people aren't working, they drink more and they do more drugs. We have a text here, and th- this one talks about the face mask. It says, I don't agree with the face mask other than at local hospitals. And in my opinion, local hospitals should have always required face mask. Is this here to stay? Well, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with the face masks. I think that um, 
you know, if you feel more comfortable wearing one, nobody should bother you about it. It's, it, it should be fine. Yeah. Um, I, as far as required in restaurants, I feel better when I see people wearing masks. Like servers Yeah, and the cooks. servers and cooks. I mean, you know, I, I hate to see them bending over something, cutting it, sneezing on what I'm about to eat. And you see yeah. that sometimes. Oh, totally. And to see them wearing a mask makes me feel like, eh, it's a little better. I know they didn't, they had to work to spit on it. Yeah. You know, so I I don't have a problem with people wearing masks. I think it's great. Uh, And should it continue? I don't see why not. I don't think that it should be mandated for kids. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, It doesn't make sense to, with a very low death rate, and case rate to have people walking around especially i see people driving in their car wearing a face mask yeah i don't get that when i don't by get that no yeah. but i think they get used to the the feeling of it and so they wear it yeah but i'm seeing it's interesting i see a lot of rashes related to the face mask i bet yeah because you got to change it out just like you got to change your clothes you exactly know? You, you don't wear the same one every day yeah yeah uh, and, and you know at one point that the health department course this was years ago they started requiring folks who work in the restaurant industry to wear things like hair nets and, and stuff like that to keep hair out of food so it, you know you gotta wonder are they gonna at some point say well we're from here on out gonna require cooks to always wear a face mask and they might i, I mean i wish they would wear the hair nets yeah. i know they're supposed to but you know i see these the people with the real long hair and then i see one in my soup or something you know yeah. and i think Ugh, you know <laughs> so I, th- I don't think that's a bad idea either, the hairnets. Uh, again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning talking about COVID-19. If you have a question for us, you can call or text it. We only have about about eight minutes or so left, nine minutes left. But you can call or text us at 615-893-1450. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high 50 degrees. Southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies and a low near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 27. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Good morning. Still a little bit busy on 24 right now, trying to get past Haywood Lane over in Davidson County. Give yourself extra time. They just now moved that crash. Had a car fire up through there earlier uh, on 24 near Harding Place. That also added to that slowdown. It's pretty sluggish right now as we check it out live. 24 westbound. Again, from, let's say, Haywood Lane all the way up to Harding Place. Ripley's Aquarium. Sleep with the Sharks Family Edition. December 26. Check it out. Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck when you're on time traffic. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
Time right now, 8.51. Dr. Dan Rudd, local doctor here in town, in studio with us this morning, talking about COVID-19, getting a vaccination, a booster, whatever it may be. And again, just to kind of follow up on that, it is recommended to get the vaccine, right? Uh, That's true. I think the vaccine is very important. It's probably the single most effective tool we have right now to decrease the incidence of the virus in the community and to cut down deaths. And to recap, if you've had COVID-19 already, you've gotten over it, should you still get the vaccine? Yes, especially if you're over 50 or have comorbid conditions, which means um, anything that would increase your risk. If you are overweight, if you have diabetes, if you have heart disease, hypertension, especially if you've had uh, a cancer or an episode of cancer in the past and you've had treatment with radiation or chemotherapy, you definitely need the vaccine. And the flu shot, you know, getting that flu vaccine, that is totally separate, right, from the COVID vaccine, right? It is. And I I mean, I took my flu shot. I believe that's uh you know, it's not nearly as effective in preventing flu as the COVID vaccine is in preventing COVID. So, but but it does help. Places like Europe have seen surges with COVID-19. Are we going to see more surges here in the future? We will see increases. Again, I think that it's due to seasonality more than anything else. Uh, variants also will come into play with this. And the uh, Omicron variant, which we're seeing an overreaction to in the media and the stock market, is not going to become a, a serious illness virus, I don't believe. But I think it's going to become, it has the potential to become Uh, a replacement for the Delta virus, which now is the most frequent one we see. So that new variant, you called it Omicron? Omicron, yeah. That one you're not seeing as many deaths with or no deaths with? So far, I mean, it it was first identified on November 9th, and it was uh, in a province outside of uh, South Africa that uh, basically has a very low vaccination rate. I think they said 6% is is the vaccination rate in uh, in Africa in general, and South Africa, it's, I think it's about 23, 24%. But you, we're going to see variants emerge. They're going to continue. There's been over 2,000 vi- variants that have been sequenced, but only about 15 have been called variants of concern. And we will continue to have more. That's we, what viruses do. We only have a couple of minutes left, but I'm going to try to fit these two calls in. First call, good morning. Morning, Scott. Good morning, Dr. Rudd. Good morning. Really quickly, thank you, Scott, for taking the call. Um, Dr. Rudd, I have been told by a couple different doctors, a couple different opinions on underlying issues and taking the the vaccination. Now, my wife has some nerve issues, damage, neuropathy and stuff that's, that's caused disabilities and stuff. And I'm told it's dangerous for her to take that. Can you clarify that this morning? Well, if she has neuropathy related to diabetes, which is a common side effect of long-term diabetes, then you still need the vaccine. Okay. That if you've had an autoimmune neuropathy, which there are many types out there, then I would be more hesitant to take the vaccine. Okay. So really, it depends on the cause of the neuropathy. Correct, correct. Doctor, thank you so very much. 
Thank you for calling this morning. I'm going to try to fit this last call in. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Dr. Rudd. Good morning. I just wanted to make a quick comment. I have been uh, usually in and out of the hospital three, four times a year with COPD, and uh, I took the first vaccine shot, I think, in January. No, I took the last one in January, the last shot. And since then, I've had my booster also. But I have only had one flare-up of COPD, and I'm thinking this because of my uh, that I've taken the vaccine. I think I feel like the vaccine has helped me with my COPD because I haven't had a lot of issues with my COPD. So I won't hold you anymore. Thank you for taking my call. I think that's very interesting, but it and it very well could be. We do know, like I mentioned earlier, that the vaccination seems to decrease other causes of illness. Wow. And we don't know exactly why, but you could be very right. So we're going to see more studies about that, I'm sure, in the future. Constantly. That's that's interesting. I mean, what what if this is, you know, some amazing new drug that's going to help others in in ways that were never imagined well we're going to see advances in technology that is are able to produce drugs that will come quickly and will help us in the next pandemic now with everything going on with the pandemic and you were talking about people who have increased anxiety increased depression are we seeing an increase a big increase in antidepressants being prescribed to patients we are um you know it's interesting antidepressants uh, have, have been very helpful for depression but also in some of the studies that are being done now antidepressants are being shown to be antiviral hmm. so um there's a there's one in particular fluloxamine that has actually been used in a study and shown to help covid but 10 of the 18 most common psych drugs have antiviral properties. That's really fascinating. And so where that's going to fall out in the future, time will tell. And you got your what Effexors, you've got your Wellbutrins out there, your Zolofts. I mean, those are some of the names that people hear often. That's right. And, and are those really helping folks out? During this time, are doctors prescribing the right dosage? Well, we don't know yet what dose and if there is really effectiveness for and for which ones. So it's I don't know that it's going to help in this pandemic, but it's going to increase our knowledge base about what the drugs do. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, you know, so much fascinating information is going to come out of the pandemic. So much. And I know that another drug's been introduced for uh, antidepressants, and I've read in, in some cases some with depression throughout the pandemic have gone to ketamine clinics, right. which is a drug that used to be used on the battlefield. Well, ketamine is another one that, quote, was used for animals. And so, you know, it's it's uh, the veterinarians use a lot of ketamine. And, and, and that's, that's a high dose type of it i mean that's a dangerous drug if well, not it, used properly it has to be used carefully and but it's been shown effective especially in people with you know refractory uh depression mm-hmm. people who have had a lot of problems with suicidal thoughts they actually are treated in ketamine clinics now mm-hmm. and it's used fairly widely wow so uh, I, again uh, 
I'm sure we're going to learn more about antidepressants because of COVID-19 and the pandemic. We're going to learn more about maybe even preventing suicide because of the higher number of those who are under stress, anxiety, and who are depressed throughout the pandemic. I think the key, though, Scott, is for people to really take away, don't be afraid. Yeah. This is not something to fear. This is something to approach logically, scientifically, and and just use common sense. Definitely. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning talking about COVID-19 and the pandemic. And we're going to uh, wrap up the show right now. Coming up next, local news followed by CBS. Then Truman Jones will join us on the airwaves. And we'll podcast this show. We'll place it on our website in podcast form for you to download and listen to later as well. Time right now, 9 o'clock. <laughs> 